Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it fast with and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome. My name is David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. We're glad that you're here. I have a uh, very important guest today, Dr. Tom Neal. Dr. Neal, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. Good to be here. It is great to have you here. I've been looking forward to this. We talked about it a few weeks ago, and so uh, welcome. Glad to have you. So uh, if um, people aren't familiar with you, give us a brief history of your ministry, um, even salvation, uh, training, and then uh, where you serve the Lord. Hey, I was saved at the age of six, and my mother led me to Christ. And, Beautiful. Uh, I had a, my whole life, I was raised in a very devout Christian home, very strict Christian home. And uh, I surrendered to preach in uh, uh, January of 1967. And I began preaching three weeks after that date. And so I have been at this a while. And uh, my ministry of which I the most known for is my ministry I had in Florida, of course. And I moved to Florida in 1980 and took a church that had about 20 of mine. He recommended me to that church. And uh, so I went there and I went there to stay and I did stay for 33 years there. Amen. We built our we built our church up to the 19 to year 2000. My goal for 2000, the last part of 2000, Brother Howes had been pushing me. I was to have 2,000 in Sunday school every Sunday at the end of that year. And so we were able to do that. And uh, that was a great accomplishment Amen. for us. We saw many souls saved, many people's lives changed. And we spent, my wife and I spent 33 years there as the pastor of that church. Wow. And after 33 years, uh, my son then became the pastor of the church. 
That's amazing. You don't see that as much anymore. I know Brother Howes would tell us, guys, just go there and stay. And you did. And uh, when their problem comes, just go there and stay because wherever you go to, they're going to have problems too. So uh, by the way, Dr. Neal, you uh, surrendered to preach one month before I was born. So um, so <laughs> that's how long you've been doing this. So uh, uh, that is beautiful. Oh. Love. <laughs> so what led you uh, to resign and to give up the church? What was going on? And uh, how did that, how did that leading from the Lord go? My wife had a, about 11 years ago, she had a very uh, near brush with death. In fact, as I waited in the hospital waiting room, they came and told me twice that she was going to die. But uh, the Lord had other intentions and she did not die. And she asked the Lord to give her 10 more years. And uh, he he did give her 10 more years. But her health, when she, after she had the embolism, uh, she, was not the same. She was, she was the same. She was still sweet. She was still wonderful, but it affected her in some way. She couldn't sing as well as she could before. She couldn't do some things as well, but she kept on serving the Lord. But after 10 years, her health started declining again. And uh, she was very fearful of their health. And uh, my health had started to dip a little bit. So I felt like if I did not leave the church, that my wife was going to die and I would be the reason she died because wow. I just push and pushing because our church was large. She had to do a lot of things. A lot was expected of her because she set a very high standard. So uh, that was the main reason that I resigned my church. Wow. Um, well, how amazing is it to have a great wife to be able to be in that uh, pastor's wife's position, even though it's not an official position, it is because they look to her and being able to help the ladies in the church. And like you said, the the standard, the example that's set, uh, boy, how many pastors today don't have that? It makes it very hard. My wife was a person who was always improving herself. She came from a very poor background. When we... Uh, got married when we were students at Tennessee Temple. The uh, After we were married the first year, she made me come to church on Sunday night two hours early every week to get a certain seat in the balcony so she could study Mrs. Robertson. And she walked in, she would watch how she spoke to people. She would watch wow. how she talked. She'd watch how she spoke to men. She, she just copied Mrs. Robertson. And then later she, she got to know Mrs. Howe. She began to copy her. So she incorporated those two ladies into her life. And she was always improving. She was always very, she was fashionable. She was beautiful. She was everything you could want. Wow. How long ago did she uh, enter into heaven, Brother Neil? It's been 11 months now. Wow. Two weeks of a year. That's, I can't fathom that. My wife and I have just been married 33 years and uh, could not imagine living life uh, without her and all the years you guys had. What do you miss the most about your wife? I miss everything. We, we were very close. We did everything together. We went places together. And I just miss her presence, her essence. Her uh, She had an essence about her. She had a presence about her. When my wife walked in a room, everyone noticed. Everybody noticed. Uh, but she had a presence about her and she made home so wonderful. And there was always some little something she was doing to improve home and to make it. And I just miss her. I miss a friend. She was my everything. I had, she was my best friend. She was everything. Well, it's amazing how much we talk about heaven is getting sweeter all the time. Just thinking about our loved ones that are there and, 
And I'm sure uh, through the years, you have more that are there now, even than uh, down here. Well, what a beautiful day that's going to be to be united with them. So, uh, but now, how is your health? How are you doing? My health has been improving over the last six months, I would say, and I'm uh, getting more active than I was, and I'm moving around better, and uh, I just got a clean bill of health from my doctor, and I'm excited about being able to do more now. I'm doing more things, and I'm doing them better than I was doing them, and I'm feeling much better. That's great. That's great. So what are you doing these days, Uh, and what does God have for you? If somebody wanted to have you preach, um, uh, do you still travel and do that, or uh, what are you doing? I do travel and preach. I just, I do not take long meetings. The the thing I like to do most of all is I like to come to a church and maybe for a weekend and uh, and be at the pastor's disposal, whatever he wants. I have been at this a long time. Amen. I do most of the f- most famous men over the last half a century. I had relationships with them. And I like to talk philosophy, like to talk about fundamentalism. And I like to talk about, if you want to talk about church growth, uh, anything like that. I, I am a, I am a cheap date. You get a lot uh, out of me. And I love to preach on Sunday, of course, but uh, I want to be a blessing to people. My, my goal is to be a blessing to as many people as I can be before I go to heaven. Amen. That's beautiful. So I hear there's a book that's being written about setting the record straight. Um, tell us about that. Okay, this is a book by Dr. Bob Gray and myself. Wait, wait, who? Uh, who's writing a book together? Could you say that again? Dr. Dr. Bob Gray, my mortal enemy. <laughs> oh, I love it. Everybody thinks we're either mortal enemies or we're just joined together in a great conspiracy. So have it anyway they want it but, but uh we're writing a book together and i know that will please some people and it will it will make some people perspire a little bit but uh uh we have been around a long time i've been around a little longer than brother gray and uh we've seen a lot of things happen i know the storylines of a lot of things that are well known uh and a lot of the storylines are not correct and a lot of the storylines uh need to be corrected and i think Many of the storylines about Brother Hiles need to be corrected, and uh, I can correct them because I had I had access to him, and I had a lot of access to him, and uh, I, I received a lot of instruction from Brother Hiles, and uh, so we won't set the record straight. I can go back into all those years, to, wow. and I can set the record straight about a lot of things that took place that people need to know about because they ha- they were affecting things even now. That's amazing. I definitely look forward to that because it's amazing how someone can tell their story and it's just believed. And even though they're not credible, especially you can see that now, but uh, people still believe it and follow it. And uh, so why would you be wanting to set the record straight? Um, There's some agenda, there's some mission. uh, uh, What needs to be done out there? Why, why this book? Because uh, philosophically, our fundamental Baptist movement has moved greatly, and uh, we are very greatly lacking today in, in, in uh, heroes we have and leaders we have. And many of the things that have shaped our beliefs and given some people the opportunity to become well-known and to give them bad influence is the fact of not knowing what really took wow. place in situations in the past. And uh, I, I can tell you a lot of things. I can tell you who 
who lied about a mouth of two great lies about going to be the next pastor of First Baptist Hammond. I can tell you about things that took place at the sword of the Lord many years before uh, and, uh, and when there was a big uprising there and I could go on and on and on because there's plenty that's happened and it's uh, not been correctly shared. So yeah. uh, Gray and I are together going to pool our, our resources and our information together and uh, try to put it out there for people to read. Wow. Well, it is. You should know the truth, boy, and um, how important that is, how important integrity is. And sometimes preachers don't have that. And um, and people who do know the truth sometimes don't want to get into it, don't want to fight it. But uh, I think definitely these truths need to be out to set the record straight. You mentioned Brother Hiles. I know you love Brother Hiles. How did you develop a close relationship with him? It was truly a gift from God. And uh, he and I both felt that way. It, it wasn't planned. It, you know, I was the last guy. I was just a little pastor starting out. I didn't really think I'd ever get to even have Jack Hiles in my church or anything. And uh, I just wrote him a letter one time and uh, told him how much he meant to me and loved me. And, and I wanted to build a church. And I hoped that one day I could build a church uh, worthy of his coming to preach some wording like that or something. And in no time, I got an answer to that letter. And uh, I found the story out of behind it later because the house said that he got the letter. So I said, you know, it's a good letter. So he put it in a stack and he's, he referred to it later, maybe if he had time and answer it. And this was a time when Brother House was just booked every night practically preaching somewhere. And so I'm shocked. I get this letter back and he says, what about this date? And he gave me a date <laughs> and, and he said, can you get a crowd? I said, I can get a crowd. And, uh, so he came, he came and it was just instant. This is a funny story. It's a true story. I hope we got time for it. When we came, when I went to pick him up at the airport, I get there. I'm not late. That's for sure. I'm there plenty early. And I'm, my palms are sweating and I'm walking back and forth and I'm outside United Airlines gate there and I'm waiting on him to come. So the plane comes and I look and I see him coming up the ramp there and he gets to the door and he, he, he comes out with carrying a bag in each arm. He walks up to me and puts them both down at my feet. Then he stands straight up and puts his hands on his hips. And he said, could you please tell me why I'm here? <laughs> and of course, I about passed out then. And he says, you've got me to violate one of my one of my principles that I haven't violated before. He says, I never accept a meeting in the same town where I'm already preaching. And he says, I got your letter. And he says, I put it aside. And he said, the Holy Spirit just kept bothering me about that letter. He said, I get it back and I reread it. And he said, it's, it's, it's almost like the Lord spoke and said, you need to know this man and he needs to know you. Wow. And so he came, we hit it off and we hit it off. I'm a big practical joker and a jokester. And so is he. So we hit it off right away with a lot of things that took place in the first hour he was there. But <laughs> we, we hit it off uh very well and uh he told me he's he, as soon as the meeting was over he says i want to come back here he says i want to be a regular here he says wow get some dates get them work get them out there so we did and then the one thing led to another this was this was about six years before his big battle came and we mm. just uh, he would write often he would he would want me to meet him places i would, I would go meeting places and uh uh, our relationship just grown from that time. The day came one day. He says, you know, he says, I figured out your place. He says, 
He says, you're, you're, you're like going home. He says, when I'm with you, I'm taking my shoes off. Hmm. He says, cause I know whatever you see, you're never going to tell it. You're going to be, I trust you completely. Wow. And for the years of our relationship, he did trust me completely. That's beautiful. Well, I love that story. That's, uh, that's, I could just imagine how your heart was racing. Why am I here? I had the privilege of being, uh, I had the privilege of being one of his security guards uh, in his hallway and at his house every Sunday night after church. And uh, I got to drive him in my car before when the mail wagon was down. And uh, when you talk about that driving, you make sure complete stop, blinkers, speed limit, (laughs) you know, the way he was. And um, to get to meet him at his house every Sunday night uh, after church and walk him to the door. And then in the morning when he went out to work, just very special uh, relationship. Any other special story? I know we could talk hours on that. Any other special story? I could, tell you, I could tell you so many stories, funny stories, uh, things that I'll never tell, and uh, <laughs> about his and about his compassion, his caring mm. for people. He, uh, I never knew anyone who loved people and showed his love for people the way Brother Howes did always, and uh, he always brought a smile to people's face and to your face, and uh, he always lifted up. Now I did get caught speeding with him one time. Oh, and, uh, but I, I, I talked my way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Police officer and him. <laughs> but wow. uh, uh, there's so many, I could tell you so many funny stories where I travels together and things together. And then times he would just want to get together and have fun. He said, I, I can have fun. We used to, we got together and we had fun. Sometimes just being silly, cutting that's up weird. for a day and then it was on the way. It's hard to believe kind of relationship. hard to believe he's been gone as long as he has been and how many people have not heard him. I think there needs to be a, a revival of his preaching and message and heart and passion and principles and and uh, excited that your book and some other books out there really need to get pushed and encouraged. What do you miss the most about Brother Howells? That's a lot, like I said, about my wife's presence, his laughter, his concern, his his uh, checking on you, his, you have hurricanes coming your way. I want you to know I'm praying that God won't let that hurricane hit you. And uh, Amen. just knowing he's there, the great, the sure comfort that he was there and, uh, and he's not there. It's just, you know, I miss him very greatly. I miss the fellowship with him, the love with him. And uh, I just, it's one of the greatest honors of my life to be his. So I felt like, and I shared this with him and he, he, he believed it. And it's, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'll say it. Anyway. I felt like part of my God's will for my life was to defend and protect Jack Hiles. Amen. And when I told him that, I thought it took me a while to tell him, get the nerve to tell him. He told me the same thing in return. He felt like he felt the same way. And he gave me liberties that uh, few people, well, I don't know if anyone really had the liberties I had to just, uh, I could do whatever I wanted to do and he wouldn't worry about it basically a true friend i know i've heard many people say this through the years that you've never i get choked up to saying it but you've never had a friend until you've had jack Hiles as a friend the friendship the depth of love and care to have a friend like that how many times have you started to pick up the phone and call him and realize boy you don't well how much is that to be able to miss and not have the access to hear that voice yeah 
just hear wow. his voice make you think everything will be okay. Yeah. You know? and, Amen. And he, so, he always had the answer too. <laughs> that's good. It was amazing. I, I love hearing the stories about him being young when, when he was the young preacher with John Rice and all of those men, and he wondered why and, you know, the wisdom that God gave him and all of his sermons had a hook in it. There was a purpose and, and it was different. I grew up with, you know, as a preacher, he was my pastor and trainer. And I guess I thought that's the way everybody was. And then you get out there and you realize, wow, how many sermons have I ever heard? Like, okay, that was true. It was doctrinal. There were no heresy, no heresy in it, but what's the purpose of that sermon? What is that going to accomplish? Why would you even preach that? Because Brother Howells, every sermon, every lesson, there was a purpose. There was a reason that greasy wrench to fix something. That was his philosophy on, on preaching. And boy, you, you just don't see that a lot. You know, he was, he was always concerned about the audience and helping the people, helping the audience and he did not like anything that distracted from that. And uh, he was not like most preachers are today. He had, his tools were all to help the people that were assembled there, not to build himself, not to lift himself up, not to build an empire for himself. And he had an empire, but God built it, not Amen. him. I, uh, I guess before we get off for the house, I just love to ask, you know, he's been criticized and torn down and man worship and all that. Um, how would you explain that? Obviously you don't worship Jack Howes, but you're very close. And I'm sure people would, you know, say that about you. How would you describe having a, a hero and a friend like brother Howes for the criticism of worshiping a man? Well, that's there. Number one, they're judging your motives in which, uh, you know, they're trying to judge your spirit. People judge spirits today. And I don't, I'm not sure how you do that because you can't see a spirit. So there you go. people can judge them. But uh, I, I just basically, it didn't, it never affected me. In fact, I embraced it. I even got a bunch of preachers one time outside his motel room. I had them all get on their knees and we all started bowing. And I had somebody get his attention. We were all out there bowing like that. And uh, I, just, oh, boy. I, just went, I just went with it. I mean, uh, they're, they're, I am an old-fashioned preacher. Uh, I feel like I'm a pretty rough and tough guy. And, and I have given this explanation to some people. Son, you're just too stupid to talk to. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I feel like that in that case. I mean, you look at what the man did. His ministry speaks yeah. for itself. His life speaks for itself. All over this world, his mark is there. Yeah. Uh, he, he wasn't limited to, as he saw himself, he was not the pastor only of First Baptist Church in Hammond. He was that pastor, but then he had a parish that was the world, and he was that pastor there, too. And I, I think sometimes people forget that. His influence was so far-reaching. That's beautiful, just to embrace the stupidity of other people. Why you worship a man? Are you kidding? He's a man. No, you don't do that. But boy, friendship and and loyalty and faithfulness and and um, all those things are big and important. And you're right; they're so stupid to even say something like that. Because brother, I was never asked that, wanted that. You have fun with it, absolutely. You know, uh, but uh, but any seriousness, uh, of course not, um, Doctor Neil. So I've heard. I don't know if this is true, but that many people have a problem with you uh so what do you think the most misunderstood thing is about you uh people don't really know me i am very if you ask me a question i will not dodge you i will give you a straight answer there are some mm. people who can't handle that 
Right. Uh, number two, when Dr. Howes was attacked, I waged war. It was planned. It was a, it was a planned thing. And uh, I was asked by one well-known preacher how many times Dr. Howes ever reprimanded me for anything I did. And I could honestly tell him never, ever, <laughs> because I had, a, I had a blank check from him. And I and I did my best to defend him and to help him in every way I could. He credited me with adding ten years of life to his ministry. And wow. if I lived and I accomplished that, that's all I ever accomplished. I accomplished a great thing in my mind. And uh, but people, I've been straight about him, and, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't understand. People get to know me. I probably have bought more suits for preachers than anybody other than Jack Howes. I probably. Mm. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of things behind the scenes. Nice. I'm nice to people. I treat people well. People who preach to my church always got very large love offerings. I, I just, I don't play games. Uh, I don't like the games and I don't like people who they tell half truths. And I'm talking yeah. about the teach and preach. They're, they're, they're half right, which yeah. means you're not right at all. And uh, the people that are being turned away from truth by, this uh, lack of manhood, I call it. Lack of And uh, you used to talk. I, I've sit around a table with, I could sit, table, I sit around a table with John Rice, with Lee Robertson, with Tom Malone, with you just go and name them all. You want to name them, sit around a table and them get into a discussion about something and they'd be disagreeing about it. And then all of a sudden it would be, it's time to go to church. And everybody left and everybody was a gentleman and everybody was still in that position you don't have that today wow. uh, people cannot stand to be challenged but uh if you're, you're if you're peddling truth you don't mind the challenge and i guess because i have been so forthright and right of black is black and white is white and uh that's what's wrong with rob gray he's gray <laughs> there we go <laughs> we got to sling at least one thing that way that's good so well, Dr. Neal, I remember, and I was just a very young preacher in this, but the Baptist contender and, and you know, what was put out there. And boy, we looked so much forward to those because they were true. And uh, it was just, if you don't have nothing to hide, it's a true it, truth. It's going to expose and show what's there. And people that are sincere uh, hearted, look at that and go, thank you. I remember uh, Dr. Tom Wallace uh, thanking you for the baptism issue. And you're right, we got to do more. And he did. And then other people want to run from that and criticize and tear down because uh, they don't really want to be exposed for what they're doing or what they're not doing. So, um, you know, that uh, people couldn't handle the day of John R. Rice and uh, those guys. I I know Dr. House talks about preaching with John R. Rice 2,200 times, and then you realize how many things they disagreed on. It's like, wow. But the main principles of winning souls and helping people and preaching, you know, those things were true. And uh, we can work together and be gentlemen. And And Dr. Howells loved and respected him and didn't uh, criticize him on things he disagreed with him on because there was so much good that he had in him. What happened to that type of Christianity? Uh, of, like you said, believe strong in the issue, but still be a gentleman about it. I don't know. It's certainly not here. I think it permeates our whole society from the lack of manhood, the lack of principles, the lack of character. And uh, speaking of the Baptist contender, most people don't realize 
Dr. Howes is the one who's responsible for the Baptist contender, not Tom Neal, because he kept beating me up every time he'd see me. I wish I knew somebody who had the courage and had the fortitude to put out a little paper that just uh, uh, exposed some things going on. And all. I guess I'll never meet a young man like that in my ministry. And he just kept on and on until I gave him one. I handed him the first one in Mexico City. He's clapping his hands in, 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 the, in the lobby of the motel and carrying on. You did it. You did it. You did it. You had the guts to do it. And he knew he knew what was in the contender. He knew what was going to be in the contender because he had a say in it. Of course, people don't like wow. to hear it, but it's the truth. He had a say in it. And, uh, and sometimes he would, he would tell me, don't send one to my house. This one, <laughs> he'd say, don't send this one to my house. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Howes was going to fight the battles too, but uh, we would we would send them out. And he would know about them, and uh, sometimes people would get mad at me about something. He'd hear about. It, he'd say, "The contender, it wasn't about that, was it? It wasn't about them." I said, "No." I said, "We talked about what it was about, and all." It got to where everybody thought it was about them, and uh, it was after them, and they were all bigger than they really were. They thought. And, That's uh, funny. Well, it's. It you know, it's what you throw the rock into the pack of dogs, one that yelps, you know, is the one that get hit at the shoe fit. Where's that? How many times are people convicted about things? And instead of going to God and responding, we get critical and fight back instead of saying, God, is that me? Is that something I need to work on? Something I need to change? Uh, seems so much more is about image and what people think of us instead of truly who we are and what God knows of us. But um, so what are your thoughts today? We talked a little about this, but the state of fundamentalism, this is the fundamental Baptist podcast and trying to stand for the truths and Bible and issues. And we try to push back and fight against those things. Um, you keep your pulse, I'm sure on what's going on in our country and the state of fundamentalism. What would you say to that? Somewhat I do. I don't as much as I used to, but I do. And I, I have my opinion. And, uh, I, as far as I'm concerned, fundamentalism, can be called leaderless today we have no great giant we have no great i think we had a period of time in our history where you, you could i would certainly say to dr Howes that he was a prophet and uh, they there's great men of god with great statue and they're non-existent today they're not i'm not saying everybody's bad but we don't have a giant's what i'm saying like we've had in the past and today, I think guys who are fundamental preachers are going to be true fundamental preachers. You're on an island, and you're on an island almost by yourself. And you've got to embrace that and embrace who you are and embrace your situation, or you'll never get out of it and get bigger. And I think that uh, we need to embrace we believe right. We know we got the right Bible. We've got everything the way it's supposed to be. Now it's time for us to believe in ourselves a little bit because we have the word of god and we have truth and we have the holy spirit and it, we need to uh just do the best we can where we are and be be a gentleman to everyone and and try to make some friends uh that's why we have a big conference to try to get preachers together to uh have fellowship over the truth and nothing else and but i think we got to accept the fact that this is where we are we sit back today and we're looking for Christ to come, but we must be working and busy till he does come. And Amen. it doesn't matter what everybody's doing, but we don't have a great leader to look to today like we used to have. That's, that's big. Um, what do, um, with so many 
pastors and preachers changing directions on so many things. What's going on with that? Why um, is there anything to be done about that? Well, I, I don't know what we do about it. I, I think Brother Hiles used to say, you improve yourself to death. And uh, there's, there's a lot of truth in that statement, but I think our guys read too much of the wrong stuff. They mm. fellowship with too many of the wrong people. We, we, we don't have the courage today to do as the Bible says, mark them and have no fellowship with them. Right. We want to fellowship with everybody. We want to try to gain from them something to help us to have a bigger crowd instead of getting it the old fashioned way. And uh, so I just think it's a, it's a, it's a whole breakdown of the ministry and our ministry examples. We don't have ministry examples today. There's maybe one or two in the whole country, but there's not any great ministry examples today. It really is a big deal. I remember hearing that as a young preacher to find someone who's way down the road from you who has what you want and where you want to be and model and copy. And uh, it's amazing. I think you're right. When you see so many people going to, you know, this Calvinist and they're wanting to get this, learn this for whatever. And next thing you know, they're a Calvinist. So I'm not a Calvinist, but you know, he's really good on this. And the next thing you know, they're a Calvinist. What are you doing? And uh, to listen to people like that and not realize it. Brother Howell's talking about that change as a position. And, and when they start in that change, where they're going to end up. Uh, I remember hearing him say that, but boy, to watch it today um it, it's just it's scary and so boy i don't want to um you know you want to you know this is right you said it. we've got it the bible the preaching we we the truths are there and so um and you know i look at what the other ones say and and see all holes in it but boy i'm not looking to them to copy them but to see their faults to point them out to help other people not go that direction because when you go down that hill you're done and it would do every preacher well to make sure they have every book of Dr. Jack Hiles and read it and reread it and reread it and realize truth never changes. Mm. It never changes. So you can't improve on truth. And we're supposed to be about the truth we say. But most of our ministries are not about the truth. They're about a whole lot of other things that are attached to this world. Wow. Got one more question, then I'm just going to open it up to you if there's anything you want to say that I didn't ask you. And I think uh, you just answered one of that. What advice would you give to young preachers and especially a pastor? I think the first thing you just said, get every one of Jack Howell's books and read it or reread it. Boy, what would that do to be able to put truth back there and purpose back there. People think, oh yeah, Jack Howells, he's old. Yeah, I know what he knows. No. <laughs> and if, wow. if people reread those books, how much truth and would it open back up to them? And another thing Brother Howells always lamented to me was, who's going to think for him when I'm gone? Who's going to mm. think for him? Because some of the dumbest things you know ever hear come from Baptist preachers, but uh he he was big on thinking for yourself, and he respected your thoughts. If you went anywhere with Brother Hiles, he would he would try to find his way into the pastor's study, and he'd look at every book and look at everything. He'd walk around. He would pick up a leaflet. He would pick up something and take it with him because he was always learning. And, right. And, wanting, and a lot of ideas you would come up with, he would like them and he would impl implement them. And some, sometimes today we got guys who just don't want to think for themselves. They're afraid to think for themselves, afraid of, you, you got to get past the ridicule. You got to get past worrying about what they think about you. You got to get, uh, they can't hurt you. All they can do is 
talk about you. So do God's work and do it fearlessly. And I think Brother Hiles was a great example of that. But you gotta, you gotta just do what's right. And uh, if you're not a, if you're if you're so dumb and you don't can't come up with a good idea, then God puts been made a mistake putting you in the ministry. He wants you to think for yourself. Brother Hiles never wanted you to copy everything he did. He wanted to inspire you to do something for God. I think that's true. And when you, for instance, you're just talking about his books, and I, I think one of the great books that I'm sure that people don't even know and realize, uh, the title I don't think was very good, How to Treat Different Types of Church Members. The book cover was even worse, but the truths in there were incredible, incredible. I remember looking for a Wednesday night Bible study. I was just came out of a long Bible study, and I wanted something short before I went into another long Bible study. I thought, oh, I'll just teach some chapters from this book, you know, five or six weeks, and then go into a longer Bible study. And I called it Godly People Skills. Uh, what he was teaching in that book, How to Treat Different Types of Church Members, were godly people skills and ended up teaching for a year and a half on that subject. You know, some chapters came from his book, but that inspired me to look at the Bible and see all the other ways where God taught us how to treat people. And it, it was amazing. And so, like you said, you start off with this idea, truth that Brother House had, and then take it to be able to build on with it. Um, but at least, you know, you're in the line of truth. You start with some people, they're already false doctrine. You follow them where you're going to end up. Not a good place. What if every pastor just took that one book and put that into play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know the cover's ugly, but you get in trouble if you see that to Brother Hiles. I, I, uh, didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> but, uh, that one book about if every pastor would treat his church members the way that book instructs you to, yeah. it would be great. It, oh, it's incredible. Yeah. The, the truths in that. And, you know, somebody uh, did a speed reading part of it through church education, and that's all they ever got. They never went back and looked at it again. And if they did, wow, or Brother Howell's book on preaching or even his poetry, um, I still quote his, and I'm not a, I'm not a poet at all, but I use his uh, poems for different things. It was just amazing. And I think I think we need a revival of, uh, of the, the principles and truths and the things that Brother Howell's taught. What if we took the book Justice? Yeah. <laughs> and you say, have why people don't like me? I'm going to read that book and not like me. That, mm. I mean, we don't, we need to learn what justice is all about today. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if I accuse you of something, you're automatically guilty. That's it. And so far from the devil's the one who accuses you. Yeah. The devil's the one who plants doubt in people's minds. And the, we got so many things that need fixing. The Lord's the only one can help us all. <laughs> Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. It does really feel like that. I'm sure you think the same thing. And boy, how long is it going to be before the Lord comes back? Because you're right, it is such a mess. Anything um, that I didn't ask you, that you uh, any advice or wisdom or thoughts that you have um, uh, to uh, this fundamental world out here? No, uh, not really today. If you, I, I'm a, I never shut up. Sometimes I know I talk too much now. Where I used to, I used to be the quietest one in the room. Uh, I wasn't, it didn't mean I wasn't thinking, but I was always the quietest one. But I, I'm not too quiet now, and I don't. I, I, I sometimes just talk too much, and my wife's not here to tell me that. So I, <laughs> I better, better stop while I'm ahead. Here. Well, I, I, I would I, be glad. I would be glad to help anybody who wants help. Awesome. I've got time. I'm in a position in life where I have time for you if you want the time. 
how uh, how would someone contact you, um, Brother Neil, if um, if they wanted to have you preach or talk or just just ask you advice over the phone to help? Uh, what's the best way to uh, contact you? Well, I have a cell phone. It's nine zero four seven one six eight eight two eight. I've never changed it, and there you uh, go. I know how to get rid of you if you die. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you, so. <laughs> but I'll be glad to talk to you, or you can. Uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida is another way to reach me, but uh, I'd be glad to help anyone that wants help. Awesome. That's great. Well, last thing, and, and uh, if someone's watching on YouTube, then you already see this, that shirt you have on. Now, you're you're a Florida boy, right? What are you doing with a Georgia shirt on? What, what, what's going on with that? I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. The Lord, the Lord called me to be a missionary in Florida, so I have been <laughs> on the field here a long time. Amen. That that that's good. We uh we're we're in Tennessee, so we have the volunteers and one thing we do agree on though, we we all do not like the gators. So hey, we can agree on that one for sure. <laughs> Another thing about Brother Hiles, he knew how much I love the Bulldogs, so he would check with me about football season. Because I asked him one time, everybody I hear all these preachers talking about you know, on Saturday you ought to be doing this, you ought to be doing that. And I was with Brother Hiles is a preacher. You know, whatever you tell me to do, I'm gonna do it. I said but I do go to Georgia football games and uh, people made way. And I said, I said, I won't go to another one. If you tell me not to, he said, no, no, no. He says, that's you. That's what makes you who you are. And he said, you keep going. Just ignore them all. <laughs> so oh, I need to get called at a few by people. That's my good. wife, because my wife would say, somebody's going to recognize you. Somebody's going to recognize you. Because I have a hat pulled around you, and we'd be asking. Somebody say, "I'm going to hear Tom Neal out loud," and then she would die. I did go to ball games. My my boys and I. That was part of our our deal growing up. I told my wife, "I'll never hunt. I'll never play golf. I'll never do any of those things like that." If you let me have college football, so I've always. I'm in the in a month from now. Uh, I'll be into football. There we go. There we go. Dr. Neil, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate that. Thank you for you, your advice and wisdom and words and being here. Looking forward to um, that book coming out and you making yourself available to uh, preachers to encourage and help uh, preach, teach, or even just a phone call. I think so many times we we don't realize the the years of experience. I mean, 50, what, six years since you surrendered to preach, um, all the things you've seen, all the things you've been around, a wealth of knowledge. And um uh, what's the old adage it talks about? Well, you know, I'm old enough to know some things and nobody cares. <laughs> nobody asks. So, uh, definitely a, a lot of knowledge there. And I hope that people will. So Dr. Neil, thank you again for your time. And, uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. Thank you very much, Brother Baker. Yes, sir. God bless. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com.